Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we have Montreal Canadiens prospects on the move in the CHL. We're talking Owen Beck, Riley Kidney, and others. We have game stuff in our three up and three down, where we vote on our three up players up, three players down in the Canadians organization this week. That and so much more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 760 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and we are free and available wherever you get your daily podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube on this wonderful Monday morning, thank you for subscribing. Please ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new episode. And I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. If I sound a little under the weather, it is because I am, and I apologize for that. But thankfully, I have the world's best co-host in the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it's Victory Monday for the Montreal Canadiens after seven games of it not being anything whatsoever. <laughs> How are we doing today? That's a lot of pressure to say I'm the world's best co-host because I'm just mediocre. And, uh, one, no, 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 <laughs> no. 2023, positive affirmations on this podcast. Positive affirmations. Well, I have some for the Montreal Canadiens. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the last couple of games, the Rangers game as well as the Blues game in our three up and three down, because I think overall the Canadians uh, played much better in those two games than they generally do or generally have in the past seven games. But I know we've got some big, big news in the prospect world. So maybe we'll lead off with that. And then in the three up and three down, we'll focus on the positive aspects that the Canadians had in the Rangers game as well as the Blues game. Yes, and for everyone who is listening to this on Monday, we do have Sebastian High coming on the show later on in this week. We're going to ask for his viewpoints on this as someone who does a lot more in the scouting and prospect world to get his view on this. This is just what we are seeing currently right now. And right off the bat, the biggest one is that Owen Beck has been traded from the Mississauga Steelheads to the Peterborough Peets, who also acquired, I believe, Avery Hayes and Gavin White from the Hamilton Bulldogs, who were a, um, uh, I want to say it was a Memorial Cup finalist last year. And so he was traded for Jack Van Volsen, Justin DeZote, two players, and then a 2025 second round pick, a 2025 second round pick, a 2025 third round pick, and a 2026 fourth round pick. He would be going to Peterborough. Uh, the Steelheads traded off a lot of their talented players. Uh, Luca Del Belbeloz was traded. Uh, Ethan Del Mastro, their team captain, was traded. This is a very normal thing in junior hockey is that players get swapped around all the time. Teams try and hit their peak, and then after that, they sell off whatever they can and refresh on draft picks and repeat this process, save for a few big uh, organizations kind of like the London Knights who are just expecting to contend every single year. Uh, I don't fully know what this means. I don't know how good Peterborough has been this year. Admittedly, I've been following prospects versus teams when watching stuff, but if they're trading for Owen Beck and they're supposedly in the running for also Shane Wright among other players, 
There's a lot happening there that I think they're obviously gearing up to make that push here right now. In the QMJHL, Riley Kidney was traded from uh, Acadie Bathurst, the Teton, to uh, the Gatineau, the Olympiques, and he had three points in his first game there. Uh, a change of scenery for him as well. The Teton obviously were one of the better teams in the QMJHL, and they're just coming to the end of that cycle. And I think the biggest thing out here, and one of the prospects we've forgotten to talk about a little bit on this show, admittedly because the WHL starts past both of our bedtimes most nights, uh, Jared Davidson is likely getting a ton of reinforcements in Seattle. They're already one of the best teams in the WHL and the CHL, and they're likely adding top Jets prospect Brad Lambert and one other player that we will be sure to ask uh, Sebastian about. But Habs prospects are going to be featured very heavily uh, in you know league playoffs and potentially in the Memorial Cup again, and I think that's really good news if you're Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. I think one thing that we've talked about with a lot of prospect experts, and admittedly that is not my area of expertise, but it's when you have these players that are highly touted, you've picked up these prospects that seem to be really promising, is that you want them to dominate in high high pressure situations. You want them to dominate their leagues, particularly the OHL and the QMJHL, because I know it's a little bit more difficult in the WHL where it's such a defensive league, but you want them to be absolutely dominant because they're separating themselves from the rest of the pack and they're showing their NHL readiness. And this is going to be something that we do talk about with Sebastian a little bit later on this week. But I think it's so, so important for these players to I hate the words like taste success because it's not what I'm talking about, but I think like this is where they kind of learn how to really separate themselves from everybody else to show what they're truly capable of to increase their ceiling. And I think this is really just for me, you know, it often sucks because like sometimes you'll take a player who's like doing everything on a team and then he's going to go to a team and he's going to get a little bit more absorbed and he's going to stand out less. But that's a challenge to them, right? For the second half of the season, what you're going to do is you're going to do the exact same thing that you were doing. You were dominating. You were being the go-to guy on your team. You were being the guy. And that's what I want to see from them. And I think that this is exactly... Not that Owen Beck can't lead a team on his own. I think we know very well that he can, and he is looked on as a leader, not only in Mississauga, but potentially around uh, the OHL as well. I'm very excited to see him on an even more stacked team. Not that Mississauga didn't have talent. Like they had Del Mastro, they had Bell Bell or Bell Del Del Bell Belus, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. It is a mouthful. I think adding him into this is that, okay, he doesn't have to be number one on the PK, number one on the power play, number one in all defensive situations. Like, hey, yeah, we have someone who's going to take some of those defensive minutes from you to allow you to create more offensively. We may see his offensive numbers continue to skyrocket here. And admittedly, that's very exciting. Uh, I'm very excited to see, um, honestly, in the WHL, I'm trying to make it more of a point to see what Jared Davidson has. He's obviously an older prospect. But he's doing a lot like you would expect from a person who's drafted as as an overager, like we saw with Xavier Simeno and Rafael Harvey Pinard before. Um, we are going to have so much more on these prospects moving around when we have our episodes with Sebastian dropping later on this week. So if we didn't answer all of your questions here. Don't worry, we are getting to them. But also because it is Monday, it is time for our three up and three down, where we pick three people in the Canadians organization on the rise and three on the way down. 
and that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. And if you want to know what Athletic Greens is, it's an everyday vitamin booster in the morning. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Literally just one little scoop in your bottle of water first thing in the morning to help kickstart your day. It's lifestyle-friendly. If you are vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you don't have to worry about that. It helps support mental clarity and alertness. It is the best way to start your morning. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. It has all the vitamins you need to help kickstart your day. It is in the middle of winter, so you always need that extra boost when the days are a little bit shorter and a little bit colder. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. One scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back here at Locked On Canadians, and when you are done listening to us, we please, 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 please check out Locked On NHL Prospects. Hedy Kalakesh, if you want to know about all these big prospect moves that are going around, Hattie is the person for you. Super in-depth, super easy to get into. All the information you could ever need. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. We are back. It is our Monday episode. That means it is time for three up and three down, which allows us to also kind of dig into the New York Rangers game, the game against the St. Louis Blues with the Canadians as well, while we kind of analyze things here. And starting on the down list and... We never like to, you know, dump on players too much in this and that. On my down list is Michael Pozzetta. And it's not a thing that I thought I would ever say, given his role on the team. But when I kind of checked in on the Blues game a little bit here, he had a bad penalty uh, at the start of the game there. He had a penalty at the end of the game, or towards the end of the game, I believe there. You're playing limited minutes to begin with. If you're going to put your team shorthanded when they are not great at killing penalties, you are not putting yourself in the best spot to keep your lineup position right now. We know Martin St. Louis is done trying to, you know, play with kid gloves here. If you're not playing up to what he expects, you are going to go. And I want Michael Pozzetta to succeed because he's such a fun story and he's such a fan favorite, but you have to keep yourself in check and that is not just a him thing but in this week I've noticed that is kind of his issue right now do you know what's really interesting is that I didn't even think that you were going to say Michael Pizzetta but as you were talking I was like yep 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 I see it yep and it's something that I hate saying about him because you know he's a fan favorite I like him a lot he's definitely someone though that I think Martin St. Louis has kind of realized that his limitations, but that doesn't mean that Michael Pazetta shouldn't rise to the occasion and kind of keep himself in check as well. I, I, it just, it's one of those things where like last year, obviously he emerged, but he emerged at a time where the Canadians were not good. Like nobody was doing well, even Cole Caulfield, right? Nick Suzuki was basically the only one who was barely performing. Um, and so 
That's such a funny way. It's like he's barely performing, and it's like, yeah, it's Nick Suzuki. It's Nick Suzuki, yeah. And he was carrying the team on his back. So, you know, like Michael Pozzetta was one of those like really fun stories, and I think he can continue to be. I think he just needs to really, really be more controlled. Um, this also goes back to other games this week. I on my down list is Martin Saint Louis, but. With the caveat of this being, he's got to learn to manage in-game stuff a little bit better. And this goes to the whole pulling the goalie thing versus that. Because we didn't really talk about this in depth because we didn't really want to talk about losing 9-2 to the Capitals and everything else that goes along with that. Managing games is important. And yeah, it's a tanking season. Yeah, these a lot of these guys are veterans who have been through God knows how much crap before. But it has an impact. And you can talk about, oh, it's soft to care about player feelings and this. They get paid millions of dollars and blah, blah. Getting left in there for nine goals against sucks. Getting left in there for six goals against probably sucks. You have to try and keep morale and mental health a big part of that because we've seen it with goaltending. When goalies are in their own head too deeply after a run of bad games, one goal against is like you're puncturing a hole in the side of a hot air balloon. And it all just kind of collapses catastrophically. Learning to manage that, I think, is such an important piece for the Canadians that they got it. They he It's one thing he has to work on, and he admitted as much, which is good. He's aware that this is something he needs to work on. I I just don't want... It to be a thing where the narrative becomes, ah, well, he just leaves his goalies out there regardless of the game. I don't want that to be a thing, especially when they have a guy like Caden Primo who you cannot do that to because he's still working his way and building there. And I think Martin St. Louis learning to manage his goaltenders a little bit uh, in that regard is a big is going to be that next step up for him in his coaching career. That's really funny. So I was on game over after the Blues game. You guys should check that out with Andrew Berkshire, uh, who we are going to have on the show uh, in upcoming weeks. We talked a little bit about Martin St. Louis and that and how um, in the last couple of games, you know, we talked about how the underlying numbers against the Rangers was better. The game might not have been all that interesting or exciting and they did end up losing, but the Canadians as a whole were playing a much better game against the Rangers than they had been in the past few games. And then against the Blues, they actually played well, you know, obviously, and that's going to go to another down in a second. Goaltending wasn't there. But I think you can see that it's taking him longer than we expected, right? Like, I don't necessarily think that Martin St. Louis isn't going to be a great coach or anything like that. But it really shows lately how green he is and how inexperienced the entire coaching staff is. It's not just Martin St. Louis, right? Like, they're all, like, recently, uh, recently become even assistant coaches and Martin St. Louis never was one, right? Like he was just always like, this is his first gig, right? So we do have to have a little bit of patience with him, but we did want to see signs of him making, making progress. And so as Scott pointed out, it's interesting because I thought, you know, he, he was happier with his team the last couple of games because the team is executing better. They are, they are like that's objective. Right. But at the same time, 
like Scott mentioned, there's so much still left to learn. And and like, let's be really honest, right? You put me in there. I'm not going to know what to do in an in-game situation. I'm not a head coach. I don't even, you know, like he, when he was a player, like he was always thinking about these things and, and was very strategic and philosophical about the game. Like, and even with that, he still has that learning curve. Like Martin St. Louis is not magical. He has to go through the learning curve as everybody else does. So those in-game situations need to be managed a little bit better. And I think part of it too is that he probably thought that the team that he had was better than it than it turned out to be. Like I think like he knew that it wasn't bad as it was when he took over, but it's not as good as he thought it was at the beginning of this season. And that's the hardest part I think with this is that he's learning how to manage through the tank as well. And maybe we expected them to be even better uh, or not even better, but better than they were. Their regression has gone in two extremes to playing way above where they should be and probably way below. The truth is, I don't think they are a bottom five team. I do not think they were as good as they were at the start of the season. I think they fall in that seven, eight, nine range there, which is literally improvement, but there's a lot of dead weight on this team. And I mean that in the least mean way possible, but there's guys that are just, they don't fit what they're looking for anymore. And when we get into our ups here in a second, the good news is some of them are starting to play very, very well, which is exactly what you want to see if you're the Montreal Canadiens uh, on my down list. And this is not so much the player, but their health. Brendan Gallagher's contract is bad. Um, it, when Mark Bergevin signed that deal at that time, we looked at that and went, yeah, no problem. That's a guy who's good for 20 goals a year, nothing but effort, dude's hips or whatever. It, I just shut him down for the year, or he's going to end up on LTIR next to Carey Price. It's That deal is actually becoming potentially one of the worst on the Canadians because he's not playing enough. And I feel bad because Brendan Gallagher was the heart and soul of this team for so many years and now he's just broken down at this point in that when we saw at the beginning of the year, when he was healthy, totally new player. And now he's not on the ice enough to consistently contribute and, you know, generate shots and chances dudes broken down. And it's he, I don't know if he needs time, major surgery, if he's got the Sean Monahan situation going on or what, but that contract is until he's healthy, you can't move it. And I don't think you can move it right now unless you find a team who's very willing to take on that much term and money. But uh, Lord, do you have any thoughts before we moved on to our up section? Yeah. My other down is goaltending. It needs to be better. I don't think that we need to spend too much time talking about it. Goaltending just needs to be better. Yeah. We are unfortunately not experts in goaltending because goaltending is voodoo. Someday we will have someone on who does know everything that we need for uh, the goaltending stuff there. But we're going to transition things here. We are going to go into the ups and all the good and positive stuff that did happen this week. And that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.net. They are your number one source for all your betting info, stats, news, analysis, lines, odds, whatever you're looking for. BetOnline has you covered. The NFL playoffs are knocking on the door. College basketball and the NBA are in full swing. The NHL is as crazy as always, and Bet Online has you covered. And you can also bet on golf. You can bet on boxing. You can bet on MMA. They have you covered. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online. And we know you love sports podcasts because you're listening to us. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, Bet Online, it's where the game starts. 
All right, we are back to wrap up our Monday episode. It is time for the three up segment of three up and three down. And I'm just going to come right out and say, because I never thought we would see this day again. Yol Armia is doing that thing where once a year, maybe twice a year, he goes on a heater where he becomes prime Eric Lindros and is literally unstoppable. He was phenomenal against the Blues. And he is my first up of the week. He's got three goals this week. He finally got that first one against the Rangers, which great for him. That's a huge thing for him. And I'm glad he finally got that um, 10,000 pound monkey off of his back. And he scored two more goals against the Blues, including a beautiful one where he sent Jake Neighbors to the Shadow Realm in a great individual effort. There's a lot to be said about Yol Armia. I think he's a very quality hockey player on a very non-quality contract. Thanks, Mark Bergevin, for that. I'm happy to see him score because that's trade value. That's getting hot at the right time coming into the new year, and people are going to see this big dude spinning around, dangling people and scoring goals, and they're going to go, hell yeah, I can fix him, and then the Canadians are going to trade him, and it is no longer their problem. I hope so, because I don't like buyouts. I don't like buyouts because they stay on your cap for too long. So I know our prediction was that Yoel Armia would get bought out. I think that wasn't an uncommon prediction in the Habs community, was that in the offseason they were going to buy him out. I don't like buyouts. So if they can trade him, I would be really, really happy. So that's sort of, you know, and even if the Canadians were to retain salary, it would only be until the end of Yoel Armia's contract. It wouldn't be twice as long as whatever was left. So for me, the ideal situation is somebody trades for him. Maybe the Canadians keep like, I don't know, half a million or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but that to me, like he is definitely trending upwards. It's interesting though, because I think, I don't know about you, but I think Dodonov has had a better last couple of games than he has in general. And, and that was actually someone else I wanted to mention was Evgeny Dodonov ate his Wheaties before that game against the Blues. <laughs> that entire line, Jake Evans looked great. Evgeny Dodonov looked like the guy that the Canadians traded for when they traded Shea Weber's contract. And you know what? Even regardless, is Dodonov's a free agent at the end of the year. Like that's still a trade that had to happen. Getting quality games out of Dodonov is just a bonus on top of that, to be quite honest. And if he plays like that, great. Yeah, the Blues aren't a, a great team, but you still want to see that effort every night. And that line, I think, was very good. Um, also on my up list, Cole Caulfield becomes the fourth fastest player in Canadians history to hit 50 goals and did it, uh, I believe, as the fastest since Jean Beliveau did it. I, If I read the tweet correctly, I saw two different ones, so it might be confusing them. Regardless... My thought with this is imagine if Dominique Ducharme wasn't a hockey war criminal and where how good that Cole Caulfield would be. Pretty much all of these goals have come under Martin St. Louis, which is just mind-boggling how much Martin St. Louis helped get Caulfield's rookie contract back in order here. Caulfield's on fire. And remember, be small, score goals, vote Cole Caulfield for the Caulfield. NHL All-Star game. So good. So, so good. And in this game, he could have had more than just the one goal that he did score. He hit the post and in the power play early on. It's good to see that top line look like that top line again. Doc scored a goal. Nick Suzuki was great. Cole Caulfield was great. What else could you possibly ask for if you're Martin St. Louis? Honestly, this is something, again, we also talked about on Game Over. We're so in sync. Uh, is, you know... For all of us, for most of us, it's like, yeah, it sucks. 
imagine you're Cole Caulfield and you're looking at your stats and you're looking at your place in Canadian's history and how how jammed up would you be right now like he's very cheerful he's not like one of those people that's ever you know that's ever been critical or harsh or anything like that but just imagine you're looking at that and you could have been like the second fastest after Maurice Richard which is a, a stat that would have been possible according to calculations that Andrew Berkshire did I didn't do the calculations but if he was going at like half the pace he was under Martin St. Louis under Dominique Ducharme, then overall he would have been the fastest after Maurice Richard. Like that blows my mind. And then if you're Cole Caulfield, like how angry would you be? Like just how annoyed you had a chance to be on one of the most storied teams in sports to be one of the most storied players. And somebody took that away from you. So here's to hoping that he stays in Montreal a very long time and he helps rewrite the history along with, you know, Nick Suzuki, Kane Gooley, all these guys. They bring a cup back to Montreal and then he can be, you know, in that in the, he can be in the storybooks, in the history books as well. And the thing uh, before we move on to our last up is I don't think Cole Caulfield's angry. I think it's just this is motivation for him. He's always been, oh, he's too small. He's not going to you know, he's scoring at, you know, the U- U.S. development program. He's not going to do that in college. Ah, well, it's college. He's not going to do that at the professional level. Ah, well, he did it in a couple of AHL games. He's not going to do it at the NHL level. He can't keep it up at the NHL level. Oh, it's unsustainable. Stop doubting Cole Caulfield doing goal scoring things. Or keep doubting him and he'll just keep getting better. Like, that's the thing. And it's like, just imagine, Scott, like when the Canadians get adequate secondary scoring and like half the opponents have to leave Cole Caulfield alone. Just like, think about it. Like when they have to game plan for multiple lines and like everybody's not harassing Cole Caulfield, but like some of them are like letting, leaving him alone or not on the ice at the same time as him. Just imagine how, how great his stats are going to be then. Oh no, I have to cover Connor Bedard. Oh no, Cole Caulfield. What do I do? Oh, you, you just, you cry and you, you deal with it. Cope and seed for all I care. Um, last up of the week for me, and this is going to the AHL. Raphael Harvey Pinard is absolutely on one right now. He had a hat trick in a win over the Manitoba Moose earlier this week. He was instrumental along with Rem Pitlick and Alex Belzeal in driving the Rocket to a 4-1 comeback. They lost in overtime, but they scored three goals with Caden Gooley pulled to the bench to tie that game and get it to overtime, which they said was to try and get, or I said Caden Gooley, Caden Primo, his first win back uh, from injury in the uh, AHL there. They came so close. The vibes on the Rocket are much better now, even as they continue to deal with injuries on defense. Harvey Pinard is on one right now. He has climbed into the top 10 for AHL goal scoring, which is incredible. And Anthony Richard is still in the top three, and he hasn't played there in a month. He's someone that I think is not long for the AHL. As soon as someone is traded or whatnot, he's someone I want to see. Obviously, Jesse Yolanen is also up there. Um, the Rocket vibes right now, much better as they ended the uh, 2022 and into 2023 here. Still a lot of season left to go, but they're playing much better hockey now. And a big part of that is their prospects are stepping up to and coming to play every single night. I can't disagree with you there because you're the rocket expert on the show. <laughs> and there you have it, everyone. I am the rocket expert. Take that, Elon Musk. Uh, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, like we said, later on this week, we do have Sebastian High coming on. We're going to talk 2023 draft prospects. We're going to talk Adam Fantilli, Will Smith. Uh, Crystal, all these other players. We're going to talk about these moves in the CHL trade pieces, what that means for Canadians prospects and so much else. Please 
keep your eyes peeled for that. Those will be dropping later on this week. We will have our regular episodes. We will have an extra episode relating to P.K. Subban's return to Montreal ahead of the Predators game and everything else. So make sure you're following us wherever you get your daily podcast or on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified when we post a new episode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. And make sure you're also following Lockdown NHL Prospects so you can get all your draft and prospect news. And folks, we will see you all next time.